All right, so, uh, so, so what I did is I, I preached, uh, preached, taught um, the Sunday teaching yesterday afternoon. That went okay, though, right? That was pretty good. And uh, the, the, spirit, the Spirit was faithful to us anyway. And uh, so I'm going to try and recap yesterday afternoon's, uh, or yesterday, late morning's talk with, uh, I'm going to try and do that uh, this morning. I think the order will probably work better anyway. But really what's been going on is that the Holy Spirit, I think, has had a through line for us from the beginning, right? So, so the first evening we just talked about um, abiding in Christ and being fruitful and, and being clear that our job on the earth is to produce fruit. A big part of that uh, for us Jesus followers is to be pruned, right? If, if you don't produce fruit... Uh, you get cast into the fire, according to the John 15 chapter, which is a a little bit morbid and dramatic, but that's how it reads. If you succeed at being fruitful as a Jesus follower, then you get pruned, right? Then then you get cut back, you get trimmed, which is painful, but what that does is it makes you more fruitful later on. It makes your your fruit uh, uh, bigger and juicier and healthier and stuff like that. And boy, have we gone through a pruning season, right? As a people, I think the whole world, in in a sense, has gone through a pruning season. And I think the people of God, especially much, um, a lot of what made us strong was taken away. For instance, community gatherings and stuff like that is just incredibly difficult. How many of you feel well and truly pruned? Come on, give me a witness. I'm... I was so pruned, I wasn't sure I had any branches left. Um, all right. And then uh, we talked uh, yesterday morning, uh, this story of Elijah and Elisha, and how Elisha is really seeking a double portion of power, a double portion of the spirit. Uh, he's, you know, he's already an accomplished follower of God, an accomplished minister. He was an apprentice to Elijah. He was like the greatest prophet of his age. And Elijah, his Lord and Master, leads him on what is kind of a nonsensical journey, just from place to place to place, until finally they cross the Jordan and end up in the middle of nowhere. And that's where the chariot of fire comes, and that's where Elisha receives his double portion of the Spirit. How many of you feel like God has just had you walking in circles and led you out into the middle of nowhere? in order for the empowerment to come, in order for the next season to begin, in order for the turning point to happen, because that was the place where Elisha took the mantle of his master, turned around and retraced his step. It was literally the turning point that led to what was the greatest miracle-working ministry of the Old Testament, Elisha's ministry. Um, So you might feel like you've been on a journey to nowhere, (laughs) Uh, but sometimes that's the test that is required to make greatness. You know, sometimes it's not climbing the hill of the cross. Sometimes it's just wandering around wondering what the heck is going on. And if you can hang through that, then you can really hang through anything, I think. You know, I don't uh, mind so much. I'm be careful I'm going to say this. I don't mind so much when life is hard but I mind very much when life feels pointless. Yeah. 
Uh, but sometimes that pointlessness is the test that leads to great power and anointing. And all right, so I, I feel like sharing that. I feel like God gave me that you know, thing to share to, to the assembly because I think many of us are going to identify with it, particularly after the last uh, two and a half, three years. Um, and then last night, try to put it together a little bit and uh, spoke about you know, the tests and the turning point. And, and my strong impression, as Sonia alluded earlier, that, that um, we're not fighting against nature uh, as a people of God. Nature longs for us to be revealed as we should be. You know, creation groans in expectation for the revelation of the children of God. And, and, and I think that, as I said last night, the mountain wants to move, right? And, and we need to keep our minds in, in the proper frame, you know? We're not bucking nature. We're not bucking the order of the universe. No, the universe is designed for us. You know, from the very beginning, it's been designed for us. Um, and, and the mountain wants to move. Our job is just to have the faith to do it, you know. And, and what I really long for, what I'm trying to build, even though I'm not naturally very good at it, is just a whole community of outrageous, outlandish faith. You know, and, and I really encourage you to just drink of faith, to take every advantage you can of anything that helps you get into that clicked-in place of faith. Yeah, thanks, Craig. We, what we did last night is when you feel like you click in, stand up. I'm, give it 20 seconds of, of personal ovation, you know, and, and feed on the worship that, that the team offers and stuff like that because our urgency is we come together uh, is just to manifest faith that move mountains, and even the mountains are rooting for us to pull it off. The mountains are rooting for us to pull it off. And uh, we had some great uh, ministry time last night, ministering uh, to people who have just been shellacked with, you know, regrets and disappointment. And we saw some lovely healing and deliverance, and uh, and also. You know, in the sense of, no, the, the mountains want to be moved. Even the mountains are rooting for you. I think there are a lot of hungry souls out there who don't know Christ yet who are rooting for, for you, right? They may not even be able to articulate it, but they are groaning in the hope for the revelation of the children of God in their own lives, you know? And so in, in that spirit and expectation, we just prayed for... Um, just a stirring and empowering of evangelism in our midst. We cleared away the chairs and said, oh, I'm going to do it right there. And like, that was powerful, right? How many were in that mosh pit? I was like, that was as much power from the Spirit as we've seen it blew out in a long time. You know, the Lord was just, just on it, you know, which is to say the Lord was on you. And I think we're entering a time of... of uh, well, cherry blossom harvest or, or fruitfulness, a la John 15, a double portion of the Spirit. I, however you choose to conceive of it, whatever biblical um, symbol uh, you choose, uh, it's just going to be an epic season, in part because we've been pruned, in part because you guys in particular have made it through the journey of nonsense to nowhere. Right? We abided, you know, those gathered here actually pulled it off. God bless them. Some folks didn't make it. It was a tough time. It's a tough time. All right. 
So, the theme of the, the conference, the retreat ostensibly, was first things, you know, and, and, and remember the things you did at first and do them. I don't know if you're familiar with that verse. Some of you Bible veterans may be, but it actually comes from the second chapter of the book of Revelations, which is last last book in the Bible, really easy to find if you want to turn there or dial it up on your smartphone. I'm just going to read seven verses from uh, Revelation chapter 2. What's going on here, if you don't know the story of this very weird book, uh, is we're dealing with, uh, with uh, John, some people think John the Apostle of Christ, who was the last surviving apostle of the twelve. So this would have been when he was quite aged at this point. He lived to be uh, well into his 90s, according to church history. All the other apostles were killed by then. They all died violent deaths. And he's getting this profound revelation from the Lord, uh, like open visions and everything. And it's just, it just goes on and it's crazy and different things get pasted together in the book. Uh, but the prophet here is, is speaking, uh, the spirit is speaking through the prophet and, and speaking to different Christian communities, different Christian congregations around the Mediterranean world different churches. And chapter, in the beginning of chapter 2, uh, the Spirit is speaking to the church in Ephesus, which is, which is in modern-day Turkey. It was a really big, important church uh, of, of the age. Uh, and this would have been um, uh, around the turn of the first century uh, A.D., um, after the church had been going uh, for a while. And so this is the prophecy. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, or to the, to the messenger of the church of Ephesus, essentially, to the church in Ephesus, <laughs> uh, write. The Spirit is telling John to write. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. All right, so it's that kind of prophecy. All right, it's really, it's really symbolic. Um, the seven stars and the seven golden lampstands are these, these symbols, these allegories for the presence of the Spirit, seven being a very symbolic number of completion and in, infinitude, and lampstands being about presence. And so to him who, who walks in the presence of the Spirit, or excuse me, uh, from him or of him who walks in the presence of the Spirit, this is what God is saying to the church in Ephesus, essentially. That's what that means. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. The Lord knows about that. And I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. God is speaking a word of affirmation to the endurance and the discernment of the Christians of Ephesus. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Some of your translations will say you've forsaken your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent... 
I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I will remove the, the power of the Spirit from you. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Good promise. Good promise. The Nicolaitans, in case you're wondering, was this sort of pseudo-Christian sect of the age that decided that they were going to embrace kind of Greco-Roman sexual practices and rituals, which were not healthy. Um, so they were sort of Christians or former Christians who were seduced into the sexual morality of their age. Um, get a lot of that in any age. Um, there's that seduction going on, but it was a big political, cultural thing in the church back then as it is now. <laughs> and, uh, and God is affirming the Ephesians for holding to basic morals and, and being discerning and stuff like that. So, you know, they're doing a lot right, in other words. You know, they're kind of resisting false teachings. They're resisting the unhealthiest bits of the culture of their age. They're working really, really hard. And multiple times in the, in the passage, God affirms the Ephesians for, for en enduring difficult times. They've evidently been through a really difficult time. Uh, what was going on in this age is that the, the Romans, who kind of governed the whole Mediterranean world back then, were persecuting Christians. Right? Christians had become extremely unpopular because they had become successful. You know, they were growing as a group. And so this was the age of, of Nero, who would end up uh, killing both Peter and Paul and just, you know, setting Christians on fire on pillars in Rome just for fun. Right? So that, that's the age that they were living in. You think we have it hard. Uh, we think Christians have become unpopular in our culture. God forbid uh, it ever go back to that. Um, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you don't repent, I'll take the Spirit from you, uh, the presence of the Spirit from you. Very sobering, very sobering. I felt like the Lord uh, speak to me about this verse a couple months ago, uh, particularly as I was considering uh, this coming uh, retreat. Here's the deal. We've gone, when you go through a season of change, and when you go through a season of transition, when everything gets tested, you're going to have to give stuff up. Right? All of us have given stuff up over the last three years. Some, sometimes we had no choice uh, but to give certain things up. Right? How many of you have given stuff up? You reevaluate everything, don't you? Right? When uh, you can no longer gather as a church, a lot of us reevaluate whether or not we want to stick with church. Right? A lot of people have simply just fallen out of the habit of gathering, which is an old danger, you know? Think of that verse from Hebrews. Do not forsake the gathering of the assembly as some are in, in the habit of, of doing. It's hard, right? Everything has been against healthy church life. Um, but 
all our relationships have come into question because all our relationships were put on hiatus <laughs> for a while. You know, the way we make a living, everybody's quitting their jobs these days, and a lot of us have lost our jobs these days. You know, I mean, everything is on the block. Everything is on the chopping block, right? And, and there comes a question to us, well, what, what do we save then? You know, what do we stick with? And I think the wisdom of the Lord for us would be, well, stick to the things that worked at first. Uh, I just wanted to lead us into a meditation. What were the things that gave you life at the beginning of your walk with Jesus? Or what were the things that gave you great acceleration in that season in which you had that great acceleration of faith? When all pistons were firing, right? When it was like, oh, this is, this is working for me. What were the things then that were really driving that for you? You understand the question? You kind of getting it? So I'm going to give you 60 seconds to just think about that. 60 seconds to be brilliant. Like what, what were the primary life givers? You know, the things, the modes, the customs, the habits, the types of relationships, whatever it was that really that really drove the growth and the good change for you. Go. This is the stuff about which you would say, ah, oh, that was the best, right? So give me some examples. What, what was some of the best? Those things that really drove it. Who's got, sorry? Prayer and journaling. Prayer, journaling, scripture. Uh, yeah, there's a type of person for, for whom journaling is just like the thing. Right? And of course, that always works with prayer and stuff, which is, yeah, what else? Dates with God. Dates with God. You could say that any number of ways, but that's a good one, right? It makes a lot of sense. What else? Prayer hikes. Prayer hikes. hikes. A lot of prayer stuff. Yeah, what? Faith and love love expressed how? Spread it to other people. Spread the love. With your feet. Faith, yeah. Well, feet, faith, same, same. 
feed on your, feed on your faith. But I mean, a really good wisdom, wisdom, really good point is like, what makes you grow in, say, love and faith is giving away love and faith, right? So have you been insular or have you been extroverted with them? Super important. Right. Training legs with God. That we could unpack, but for you, that's a great symbol uh, coming, coming from a runner. So uh, training legs with God. So, for instance. Right. I, right. So it's like you're getting exhausted, you're getting overwhelmed. What you do is you go to the gym and you work out, you work the body and you pray and you fellowship with God that way. I, I completely do that. Right. Like for my whole life, that has been one of my secrets to success. Uh, not the athlete that you are, but, uh, but, but finding a way to strengthen the whole person and share that with the Lord. I love it. Yeah, Matt. Close community, right? Not just community, but what kind? Close community. Encourage each other. Yeah. Uh, it's easier with a team. William? Obstacles? In, oh, I get what you're saying. Obstacles drive you closer to Jesus. Yeah. Or you could say how one reacts to obstacles drive you closer. To, but I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Receiving and giving prophetic words sort of drives growth. So you have to put yourself in a position to do that, participate. I get it. Yeah, John. Thirst. Thirst. And expressed how? I want, I want, I want. want. Well said. Well said. Right? But manifesting that in your life and making that sort of the mantra of your life. I want, I want. I don't know. What's your service name? Chris. Driven by gratitude, but I love this, right? It's gratitude unto sharing it with other people. I'm grateful, and so let me give you something, right? As a gesture of my gratefulness to the Lord. You put feet on it, and I love it. Somebody over here? Yeah, Mike. Single-minded focus on God. Decluttering the head works really well. Paul? Okay, so I love that story, if you couldn't hear it. Uh, if, so what you're doing is you're, you're telling a story about your history, right, very specifically. And he said what works was prayer parties. And then he defined that uh, when, this was back in the early days uh, of the church, that the Schroeder family would have people over. He mentioned Jeannie would come and other people. And then he said, we just invite them over to have a prayer party to pray. We didn't know what the hell would happen which just speaks a lot about the season uh, of life uh, they're in. But they just kind of pray and just kind of go with the Spirit. And dang it, that changed everything, right? So that was a unique practice that you did that kind of brought the kingdom to your family. And yeah. Slay demons in your dreams. (laughs) 
You should just give that to everyone, honey. That, I mean, that, that's because that's what we want to do. But he kind of plugged in to be moving in the spirit such that it continues in your dreams at night is what I hear you saying. It's like your spirit is just saturated somehow, uh, even, even when you sleep or maybe especially when you sleep. Yeah, good work. Oh, we could go on. I'll do Mindy because it's Mindy. Trying to love difficult people, yeah. And are some of those difficult people here? Maybe you could point them out and, yeah. Do you maybe live with some of them currently? Yeah, I'm just feeling guilty. Anna Roberts helps. You need some Anna in your life. Services like this where, where everybody ministers to each other, right? All play service. Everybody brings game. I always say it at Blue Water. That is so, okay. You're clicking in? I thought you were witnessing. You're just clicking in? Yeah. Because I'll let you preach. Yeah. All right. right. You get the idea, right? You get the idea. Um, so I, I, I've just gone through uh, just a... A horrendous season of pruning, right? That, that might be a kind way to put it. You guys know how difficult uh, it's been for me. In addition to the COVID stuff that was shut down, that hit me hard just not because it hit everybody hard, but, you know, I'm trying to run a church, and I think it's hard to run a church when nobody can gather, um, and half, you know, a third of the church moves away uh, for economic reasons, and, and, and it was... Uh, uh, a very uh, combative season politically. I don't know if anybody remembers this. And a lot of uh, uh, racial stuff and justice stuff, which is usually like a wheelhouse of this church, but even at Blue Water, it ended up real, being injurious and divisive. Um, and all those other things that were going on simultaneously, right? Like, it was a lot all at once and uh, a great deal of religiosity in our culture, by which I mean, like, it wasn't the Christians being religious, it was the culture being religious. You know, agree with me or you can't be my friend. Uh, agree with me or we can't really be together. You know, it was that kind of season. All the grace got sucked right out of the air, right? That, that to me was the, the, the most distinctive element of the season that we've been through. Like, grace just dropped out of fashion, even among a lot of Christians. Right? And I am largely a minister of grace. You know? And it seemed like the more I encouraged grace, the more I taught about it, the more I made it urgent, the less, the less it was received, frankly. That's how it felt to me. Um, so, you know, a lot of you went through similar things. But that was hard. Uh, my grandmother died. Um, I was having a very difficult time for several reasons. Uh, one... Uh, the, the church staff very graciously gave me a little retreat. I had like a four-day retreat uh, in Waimanalo. I came back thinking, well, you know, I really, I really need to find a way to rest. I really need to find a way to create some space in this season. I was sharing with my wife uh, uh, the, the afternoon when I got back, and within 24 hours, Nana had fallen and was hospitalized and never recovered from that. So that was my rest. <laughs> And for the next six months, you know, she was basically convalescing and, and her, you know, 96, 97-year-old brain just got a little worse, a little worse, a little worse. And she couldn't be with her church, which is just so devastating. 
for us, you know, and, and many of you were faithful and you would come over for visits and stuff. But that was grievous as, you know, you know how close I was with my grandma, how close many of you were with Nana. Um, so but it was sad, but it was also exhausting because it was 24-7 and toward the end, you know, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't even rally myself to take care of her as I should and Sonia stepping in to do some of those bodily chores that that you know become important at, at times like that. Um, so that that was just thunderous. At the same time, uh, this, this is Jojo's story to tell. Uh, she's away at college now. Can't believe that. Um, but she, uh, you know, COVID shut down her life. You know, Ryan was sharing about this uh, yesterday a little bit. But you know, she was a runner. She had given a lot of her life to that. She had gotten some scholarship offers and, because, and, and made some plans. And because of COVID, some of the, 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 the roster spots, the scholarship offers were reneged. They were taken away from her, cut her feet out from under her at the end. She was going through this, wow, do I even want to run anymore? Do I even want to pursue this stuff? And couldn't compete anymore. It's a huge part of her life that was taken away. And that's her story to tell. But you parents know that when something like that happens to a kid who has sacrificed so much for so long, it just exhausts you, right? Sort of, it, it hurts your faith. So that was going on in a big way. It's hard for me to overstate the effect of that on dad, you know? I'd run thousands of miles step for step with that kid and just to kind of see it all kind of crunch and crumble. And she's off in college now, um, got a team and stuff, but it was a heck of a process. Um, the weekend Nana died, we sold our house. Um, we had originally put our house up for sale. The idea was going to move into a place where it was going to be easier for, for Nana to access as she got increasingly frail. And then everything hit the fan. And, uh, you know, which doesn't seem like a trial, but when you sell a house and buy a house, it's exhausting, right? And I was not in a position to go through that exhausting. Like Kristen was our realtor. And she did our open house. I mean, she was receiving guests in the front door. Just so much. Just, she was so much for us at that time. And I was literally carrying Nana out the back door. She was within 24 hours of death. It's just an incredible season. You know, I took her over to uh, Karen and Tony's house and just sat with her there uh, for the whole day and just kind of watched her fade. Man. Um, but because everything was so unstable, we, we weren't able to manage all, all the threads. Um, we, we were kind of without a house uh, for six months. The thorn bruise took us in. Uh, we were... Uh, living in a guest room in their house with all the animals and stuff for like six months, you know, which, which is just glorious. It is, you know, there's just no substitute for friends who are generous to you, you know, but, but feeling a little displaced in life, you know, just, we had just lost so much and everything was up in the air and just sort of living out of a cardboard box and in, in this little room. And there's some other emotional things that happened during that time that sort of increased my sense of displacement. Well, a few weeks after Nana died, my biological mother died out of the blue. And that was a strained relationship, as many of you know, because I didn't grow up knowing her, and we tried to cobble something back together with her over the years. But because stuff had been so heavy for me uh, for like the last 16, 18 months of her life, I really had kind of let that relationship slide. You know, a lot of times I pray, God, 
I'm going to try and take care of your family. Please take care of mine. Because, I mean, you guys have heard me share about my family a little bit unique, my family background, right? Um, and so I've always kind of hoped and relied on the Lord to, you know, I, 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 it's hard for me to make that healthy and, and right. Could you help me out, Lord? Could you help me out, Lord? And just when I needed that most, she just died. A horrible death. The circumstances were not good. They were not good. You know, my mother was not a healthy person. She lived as kind of a semi-hermit in a shack in northern Oregon. Um, some addictions and stuff. So uh, through some prophetic words, I ended up taking Jeremiah, and we, we went and cleaned out her house. We filled up three giant dumpsters full of stuff that she had hoarded and uh, I'd take care of all those details and, and some of her... Uh, she was an animal lover like me. I actually inherited some good qualities from my mom. Some of her animals had, had died uh, because they didn't find her body soon enough and had to go through all of that. And, you know, really thankful to have my boy with me. But not something that, you know, a 15-year-old kid should have to go through cleaning up residue of bodily residue of your mom who died in this place, and, you know. Um, and, and, you know, on, on top of that, um, just the constant tension of the church and all the broken relationships and all the people that were uh, disappointed or mad at, at me as a spiritual leader during that time. What I'm saying, I had some pruning, people. Uh, I had some pruning, and... and that's about half of it. There are things that I cannot share publicly because they involve other people, as this life often does. You know, often does. We've all uh, been, been through uh, the ringer. Um, it's been so hard for me. I mean, I have not done particularly well in the midst of it, to be honest with you. But I find myself needing to think okay, what's the thing that's going to keep it together for me, right? What's the thing that's going to keep it together? And I had a lot of occasion to meditate on that. You know, it's like, oh, am I going to survive? <laughs> and if I'm going to survive, like, what, what's going what's to restore me should this storm actually pass, right? What, what's going to take me to that place that I hope for? Uh, should this storm pass? And I just sort of share that because maybe some of you have been in a, in a similar uh, season. Um, so I, I started trying to find some first things, you know. One thing is interesting story. You've heard me talk about it a little bit. Uh, like it came out of me almost, almost as a compulsion. This is a little bit like training legs with, with the Lord. Um, I, I grew up um, sailing with my dad and building boats. And so I was like, I'm a, I got to get out to the water. You know, so uh, I'm, I'm building a boat, some, a larger ocean-going boat to satisfy that itch. And I got this crappy catamaran that I had to rebuild. <laughs> some of you have helped me with that and hold, hold together with duct tape and barbed wire. Um, but just, just to get out on the water um, and to kind of meet the Lord, that was always my happy place uh, as, as, a, as a youth. Um, but you do that, right? You return to these troughs instinctively. 
And I've been thinking about spiritually, you know, what sort of stuff worked. What are, what are my first things spiritually? And one thing I kept coming back to was, you know, the best experiences of my life were in small groups, were in close, close communities. Um, and we started a small group in our house. It includes all of these people, you know, so it's not a very good small group. But, <laughs> but, but, but it's a small group, uh, nonetheless. And, you know, and having people come visit us from former small groups, you know, because the biggest transformations have always been in my house, you know. Um, and and uh, I could give you a tour of my spiritual life by way of small groups that I participated in, you know. The first small group that Sony and I led together was in East Palo Alto, California. You hear me share stories about East Palo Alto from time to time. It was the most violent neighborhood in America at the time. Um, and uh, automatic weapons fire in our, in our streets every night without fail. You know, like literally like machine guns, stuff like that. It was during the crack epidemic, uh, those of you who are old enough to remember that. Complete generation of that little city was wiped out by crack and violence. And, uh, and we had a small group in my living room. It grew to be like 50, 55. It was like an awesome group. Like the fellowship, the closeness, the koinonia of that group is just legendary. Like we still have people, we have friends. We will get together with, you know, 30 years after the fact now. And they'd be like, your living room was awesome. You know, people would come from Palo Alto, one of the richest cities in America, to East Palo Alto, the most violent city in America, just to sit in our living room because it was peaceful and they felt the spirit of God there. People came to Christ that way in my living room. What are you doing? Well, I think I'm praying. I've never done it before, but would you like to receive Jesus? Sure. Um, such an anointing on that group. You know, and I still think about the East Palo Alto small group when I think about Ohana groups a Blue Water uh, mission. We moved uh, from East Palo Alto. We got married, which was not Sonia's finest life choice. But uh, <laughs> say she married me when I was living in the worst ghetto in America and had no visible means of support and wanted to go get a PhD. Yeah, you had vision. <laughs> and uh, and we, moved to, we, moved, we moved up, you know, from the most violent ghetto in America. I moved her to deep south Chicago. That almost took you out, yeah. Um, but a, a few weeks ago, you met a young couple uh, from that small group. We, had, we started a small group in our living room uh, in South Chicago, and that group grew freakishly and became a church, and a church plant that is still there in South Chicago, which was a neighborhood that didn't have a church, that, a living church at the time. And you met, you met the Maskells, who just awesome. Kathy came to faith uh, in, in that group. And, um, so that was that, you know. I was thinking, you guys, those of you who are old school here, do you remember our small group in the Lighthouse, KMOKU Street? Yeah? How many of you came from the Lighthouse small group? Yeah? That's an iconic small group for me, you know. Um, at a certain time, 75% of the people in that group were under medical care for mental illness. And we were so tight and, and so loving, right? And it just and saw such healing. In that. <laughs> Healing and, okay, weird things occasionally, but, but it was just, there's just a grace on it uh, that really gave birth to this church ultimately, you know, and so on and so forth. That always been a first thing for me, you know, 
If I were to say, what is, what is the first thing? It's like small groups and houses. That's been me. Supernatural ministry, which has always been my vernacular. My, it's my language <laughs> of ministry. We experienced some of that last night, um, didn't we? And another thing that has been a primary driver of my faith has been conferences and retreats, you know, special times away. You know, I can tell you, I won't do it now for the sake of time, but I can tell you the story of my spiritual growth through conferences and retreats that I attended where I had encounters with the Lord. Some of you had powerful encounters with the Lord last night, I happen to know. Um, you guys are doing a lot of the things that I mentioned you know, and, and this is why we do these things, is because they are primary things. And the simple message I wanted to leave you with today as we wrap up this retreat is no matter how hard a season you, are, you have, have gone through, indeed, especially if you have gone through an especially hard season like I have, I encourage you for your sake and for the sake of all of those that you will influence to do these primary things especially much, right? Figure out the primary things for you, but also the things I'm speaking about are particularly powerful, right? Get your butt into an Ohana group, people, right? Give your life to something like that, please. You know, and do the prayer and the other stuff, but but, but get into one. Get into those supernatural ministry times, the prophecy times. You know, seek the voice of the Lord and give the voice of the Lord. You know, pray for one another powerfully and with the outrageous faith that we have had this weekend. Right? Try to click into that always and and minister to people. Lay hands on people and 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 you know speak to them and. Anoint them with oil or whatever the heck that you need to do to make it a special moment. You know, do that as well. And then take the opportunities to come. I'm so proud of you for taking a pause from your normal, abnormal life. And, you know, and coming here because it is not insignificant. And I believe you're probably going to leave this weekend changed. I've been watching. I think it probably made a difference. Remember that and then drag someone else the next time we do a Holy Spirit retreat or a small group leaders retreat or whatever, right? Because they are valuable times and it's actually worth the investment because the mountains want to be moved and because we don't want the Lord to forsake us because we've forgotten the primary first things, right? That's all I wanted to say. I hope that's an upbuilding, uplifting message and not kind of a downer message. You know, I talked about a rough time, but to be clear, I think we're in a new season, right? I think that we've done the turning point. We've gone through the journey of nonsense. We've gone through the pruning. <sighs> um, and, um, and, and nature itself, right, is eager now. And there are a lot of hungry souls out there desperately eager for what you're bringing. Dear people, bring it. Bring it. Here's what I want to do. Um, if you are leading an Ohana group, I want you to stand up.
You know, um, we found some lovely words this week. I think that, that word we had last night for, for Joe and Elise uh, about uh, inviting people into your kitchen. And, and Brenda said a really wise thing. She said, make sure they succeed. Give them gift cards for, for buying groceries and kitchen things because through hospitality, they're going to change a bunch of lives. And so that's our responsibility as a group to make sure that they're empowered. It's like, we can do that. Plus, you know, they'll probably share food with you uh, and stuff like that. Um, and uh, uh, Narayan's going out on his next mission, and he's like, hey, you know, I could use a little bit of support. And this is the son of Blue Water, so, you know, so some of us are going to write him checks, right, and make sure that this enterprise works. I just want to look at, at Ohana group leaders, our small group leaders today, and I would like to encourage the rest of you to take responsibility for their success, right? Which, yeah. Take responsibility for their success, which may mean getting your butt to their house on Thursday night or whenever it is, or it may mean when you do that to drag another person with you, right? Or it may mean just sort of supporting them personally, but this is, these are transformative vessels for what the Lord is doing in this season of fruitfulness. I, I, I guarantee it. Uh, so uh, I'm going to give you a second to just kind of look at them. Maybe you're already in their small group or maybe you're like, I should be in their small group and the Lord is going to tell you that right now. At the very least, the Lord is going to tell you someone to speak a blessing to here in a second. So I'm going to give you a minute to just commune with the Spirit and let Him direct you. You got one? Or two or three is the case, maybe. All right, just stand up and, and huddle around them. You guys, meet uh, uh, Caleb Lawyer, why don't you step out into the aisle here? We got, raise your hand, so if you're uh, on a Hana group leader, or raise them both so that they know who to rally around. Me is all the way up front. She and Nick lead. You guys, I'll lend you to another group for now. Just go bless one of them. All right, and I want to go through the prayer together, and then I want you to minister to them in the same way that we ministered to each other last night, which ended up being quite powerful. Yeah? We got, let's get some in the back there. Make sure that you get these guys. You got, you got Callie standing up there. They're up in the sound booth, but you can get to them. All right, so Blue Water Mission, all right, I'm charging you to take responsibility for the success of these primary ministers, okay? These first things, right? Father God, we just ask for your blessing upon those who gather into their homes. We, we ask you for blessing for those who gather we ask your blessing for those who gather in. Please, Lord. And as your family in the Lord, we bless them with full hearts and eager hands and generosity. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, do your thing. All right, those of you gathered around, just bless them. Give them prophecies. Give them blessings. Pray intercessorily. I don't care. But take 90 seconds and go for it.
In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless them. These are the vanguard. Thank you guys for carrying a bit more the way of Kuliana than most.